Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. You know, have to come to some, some conclusions. You are not a body and you are not a brain. You will live past the time of this physical mortal body and this brain. You are a spirit. You're a spirit. And your spirit has, was, has been locked up, dysfunctional. You know, it, it was awakened when, um, when you called upon the name of Jesus. It's empowered when you're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. But if, if you walk only in the natural, your spirit man stays locked up and, and not activated. Praying in tongues activates your spirit man. You can begin to, un- begin to comprehend things in your spirit that you, your mind can't quite wrap around yet. And so, you know, it's, it's, you're not, you're, the reason what I'm saying to you might sound a little different or unusual is because we're so used to figuring things out in our brain. We live in the world of right and wrong and just, and well, this is what I think about that. We live in the world of opinions. Get out of the book of first opinions and get into the, the word of God. <laughs> It really doesn't matter what your opinion is. Yeah, that's why Facebook is so popular. Everybody's got a microphone now. Everybody can, they can write what they jolly well please and just spout off nonsense. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, you know, so I'm just praying for a spirit of, Paul prayed in Ephesians, he prayed that the eyes of our heart would be awakened, that there'd be a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. And when that begins to happen, you know, you begin to see your life differently, you begin to see church differently, you begin to see lost people differently. You see people that you don't even like, you see them differently. You see people locked up in sin, you see them differently. Instead of judgment, you see mercy. There's a difference that comes over you. You begin to see the world, your worldview begins to change. You begin to see things differently than you did before. It's, there's an opening of, the, of, your, of your spiritual understanding of things. I, I want to just, I don't know how far I'll get in this. I'll, the, it's Jesus, at the end of this prophecy, he was answering, like I was talking about this morning, he was answering the questions his disciples were asking him. They were bragging about this temple. It had just been finished. It was probably gorgeous. They'd spent 46 years restoring that temple. It had been built 400 years before, and now it had been restored for the last 46 years. They were, they were proud of their, the house of God in Jerusalem. And Jesus, you know, he just kind of popped their balloon and said, you know, well, it's going to be torn down in a few years. Every stone's going to be torn down. It's going to, we're going to be flattened to the ground. There's nothing, be nothing left. Tell there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. You're going to be betrayed. There's going to, you're going to be persecuted. Some of you are going to be killed. Then he started talking about all kinds of stuff and um, about the abomination of desolation, the temple being desecrated. Three times the temple's being desecrated. And, you know, it's, he went on and on. And then it, you get all down toward the end of that discourse, verse 36, Matthew 24. Jesus started talking about his return, about the return of Jesus. When this hits you, when this becomes not a doctrine that you believe, but when, there, when your spirit is, becomes aware of the nearness of his coming, the fear of God will hit you. Amen. This is not a doctrine we embrace with our mind. 
It's like everything else in the scripture. You know, you can, you can embrace Jesus died for my sins with your mind all you want and because you were taught it, but there comes a day when your, the eyes of your heart are open, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're born again. Well, it's the same thing with all the doctrines in the, in the Bible. This one, the coming of Jesus, he says, about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. In his humanity, he, did, he didn't know the day or the hour here is on the earth. He was prophesying by the spirit of the Lord as a, as a man. For the coming of the son of man, he said, he's talking about his second coming, the coming of the son of man will be just like the days of Noah. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the son of man be. And at that time, there will be two men in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. So Jesus was talking about his second, his return to this earth. Now, you know, you can, you can, you can categorize his second coming into two, two different events. You can, you can talk about his second coming for the rapture of the church the pre-tribulation, pre-millennial rapture of the church, which I happen to believe in. I could be wrong. I don't think I am, but that's what I believe in. You don't have to believe in that. It's just a whole lot more comfortable to believe in that. (laughs) The other alternatives are not as nice. So then, then, so then, this, the, sec, the second, the, then there's a, there's a, 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 the final return of Jesus when he comes, destroys the Antichrist, wipes out the, the armies that come against Jerusalem at Armageddon, and, and they wipes all those these people out, sets up his kingdom for a thousand years. Well, we'll rule and reign with him on earth for a thousand years. Now all that's going to happen. And um, so he's talking about this, his second coming, as, as, as if it's one coming. He didn't, he didn't have a, he, Jesus didn't have a rapture chart that he was reading from. He didn't know exactly what was going on totally. He was prophesying. So now then he goes on and he starts giving parables. He gave four parables. I don't know if we'll get through all of them, but there's, there's four parables that he gave describing describing the, some of the, the significance of his coming and, and our response to it and about spiritual pre- preparedness. So these four, a couple of short ones and a couple of longer ones, this first one is in verse 42. He says, since his coming is going to be like that, it's going to be sudden and unexpected. Everyone say sudden and unexpected. Yeah. It might be tonight. You know, I was in my, in my after, after, after church today, I went and I, I had the news on for a minute and the Iranians said, if, if the Jews go into Gaza, then we're going to come after them. Right. Well, if that happens in Russia, you know, it, it, could, it could all happen tonight. It could. It could all happen tonight. It could, it, it could have where they could, uh, it'll be, I'll tell you, it'll be a mess. It'll be a bloody mess. It'll be a bloody mess. And prayerfully... Tonight will be the rapture. Oh, ye of little faith, right? I feel a skepticism in the air. Oh, there's something in the air. Oh, there's something in the air. Smells like the flesh. 
and unbelief. So therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when your Lord is coming. But be sure of this. Be sure of this. If the head of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready as well, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. The Son of Man is coming at an hour when you don't think he will. That's when he's coming. When you don't think he will, that's when he's coming. Now, this, so he used this phrase that's used, this is a powerful phrase, um, thief in the night. He's going to come like a thief in the night. It's used in the, Paul used that phrase that's used throughout the Bible in the New Testament. He's going to come like a thief in the night. You know, I can remember one time, this was, um, you've heard us talk about our trip, one of the trips we took, one of the mission trips that we took years ago to, um, to, to the Ukraine. We went there to Ukraine, and it was um, 1990, and it was a long trip. It took a long time to get in there. We, took, uh, we flew from here to whatever the connections were to Moscow, and then went straight from the airport to the train station and got on a train in Moscow for a 19-hour ride to, to Milnitsky. It was, it was not fun. It wasn't a nice, it wasn't a luxurious train ride. Let me just leave it there. And we had a beautiful week or so of ministry and Melnitsky, and then we came back and, and we, we were going to get the blessing of fly. We thought it was a blessing to fly back to Moscow from Melnitsky. And um, we get to the airport and we had to wait. They had, we waited. We didn't, we didn't know why we were waiting. We're sitting, literally all of us, all our team, all team is sitting out on the tarmac by the airplane waiting. And after a long wait, they told us, well, they're waiting to, the plane, the, actually weren't by our plane, we were by another plane. They said, your plane is still in Moscow. And they're, they're going to figure out if they have enough fuel to let it fly from Moscow to Belnitsky before to come get you. <laughs> and so they did. So that all went happened and it came, they came and got us. And then we flew up there and then we got to the airport, to the hotel to spend the night in a hotel in Moscow before we flew back to the States the next day. And there, you know, it was, it was a long day. We get to the, air, the hotel and of course the rooms weren't ready for our team. And there we are in the lobby laying on the floor, all spread out, wasted, you know, from a long week of ministry, not sleeping normally and jet lagged out of our brains. And finally we got our rooms, we went to our rooms, got our rooms. And we were in our rooms, and um, I guess there's a thing about the hotel room in this particular hotel that the, that the hotel, the door didn't lock when you, when you closed it. It was unlocked. Thief in the night. Remember the thief in the night? So we were passed out asleep. About like five in the morning, I thought I, I thought I heard something, but I just kind of rolled over and I, I saw someone walking out of my room. I had no, you know, I'd, but I, I didn't really wake up until a few minutes later. I re- and I realized, hey, somebody's in the room, and I sat up. Well, my wallet had been right by my head on the on the by my bed on there, and it, I had about four hundred bucks in my wallet. Wallet's gone. Bye bye, sayonara. But I was I was sleeping. My door was unlocked. And a thief in the night came and caught me unaware and stole my stuff. They got it. Well, they had security guards on the, on, the, on the floor. I went and talked to them. After talking to them, I figured out those were the guys that stole my wallet. 
They miraculously found my wallet and it's had one dollar in it when they gave it back to me. See, we're honest, we gave it back, we had one dollar in the wallet. It's like, okay, whatever. So, but the, the point is, the, the, of course, the point is what Jesus said. He's, when you least expect, he's going to come. He's going to come suddenly. So, so what, is, what is he saying to us? We have to, we have to live. We have to live ready for the return of Jesus. We have to live that way. This becomes our life. And, you know, once you, once you see him, once you know him, once you love him, that, of course, that's the way you're going to live. You're not going to live in compromise. You're not going to have your door wide open and things doing stupid stuff so you get caught by surprise when he returns. So then he goes on and he tells another, he moves right into another example. He says, who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household slaves to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of his possessions, but if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time. He begins to beat his fellow slaves and he eats and drinks with those habitually drunk, just lives like a fool. Then the master of that slave will come on that on a day that he does not expect and an hour that he does not know and he will cut him in two and, sign, and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he's talking about He's describing a landowner who owns property and he left people in charge of the property. Well, he owns everything. And he's left you in charge of some stuff. And he's gone away on a journey. Which reminds me of another stupid story. <laughs> it was just a normal average day at the B&C Egg Ranch, just outside of Kerman, California. And our boss, you know, he, our boss had to go to go visit the other egg ranch where the other boss, where the main boss was, and it was probably a good hour away, and he got in his truck, and he left us, he gave us our responsibilities, he told the other, this guy to do this, and this guy to do that, and what for me to do while he was gone, and um, then he took off with his truck. Now, of course, you know, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my work, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to cheat on the boss. Is anybody listening to me out there? I'm not going to take advantage of the boss. I'm a Christian. Everyone say I'm a Christian. Okay. So I, I, was, I did my job. I, was, I pushed all this chicken manure that I was supposed to push for the day, did my, my, the, 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 the two houses I was supposed to clear off for the day, got my work done, and you know, I'd go out for my break and lunch break and coffee break, and I'd go back in, and I noticed that all the other workers were just sitting in the cafeteria all day long. They were just sitting in there drinking coffee. And then when it came about the time probably for the, for the boss to come back, they would take turns climbing up on top of the feed hoppers. They were like 50 feet up in the air. They'd get up on top of the feed hoppers so they could look down the highway and see if dust was coming up, if the truck was coming down the road, so they could come warn everybody to go pretend like they'd been working all day. Wow. Wow. Well... 
the boss didn't get, be, get to be the boss because he was stupid. <laughs> he knew exactly what was going on. He went and checked everything out, you know, gave me a little wink when he looked at me, and he just, I knew exactly, he knew, and I knew. I was working, the other knuckleheads weren't working, <laughs> but he, you know, he, he was just making a note of it, right? Now, that's why he offered me the great job at BNC Egg Ranches later on that year. <laughs> Son, there's a future for you at BNC Egg Ranch. <laughs> I mean, he told me that. When I told him I was, going, I was quitting because I had to go in a, another position in the ministry, Son, there's a position for you. At BNC. He brought, even brought the other bosses over there to try to talk me into staying on at BNC Egg Ranch to push chicken manure and, and work with the chickens. Now, here's, so, here, so here's the deal. So what, what, was, what is the point of this parable that Jesus is telling? What is, what is the point of the parable? He has given you yes. stewardship. Yes. He's given you a place to serve in the house of God. Amen. It's not just random stuff. He's given us specific places to serve in his church. And it's his church, it's his house. He's given you a job. He's given you a family. He's given you a place to live. He's given you a car. He's given you stuff to use for his glory and for the advancing of the kingdom of God. And he's off on a journey. I hope you're not just sitting in the cafeteria drinking coffee and playing video games. Because when he comes, he knows exactly what's been going on. And that's what this, that's what this story's about. He's, he's telling stories about being ready for his coming. Now, here's the, here's the best one of all. I guess this, we'll get through this one and then um, probably not get to the other one. But this one is, this has to be the favorite. Okay, he goes in in chapter 25, continues telling the stories about what it's going to be like when he returns. He says, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. It's pretty obvious. Jesus is the groom and he's coming for the bride of Christ. Wow. So he's talking about the 10 virgins. So it's a, a picture of his church. It's a picture of his church, you know, it's, it's a, 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 across the, he's comparing the population to his church at his return as 10 virgins. And then he goes on to say, five of them were foolish and five were prudent or wise. So, uh, you know, I don't know if he was, if he was, if he was getting serious about this. I don't know if he was serious about the significance of the numbers that he's talking about. I, I, I sure hope he wasn't. Well, sometimes I hope he is, actually. <laughs> five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take extra oil with them. Oil is a picture of the anointing, the anointing oil. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. They had lamps. They are the lamps. We are the lamp. We are the lamp. We are the lamp. We're, we're the bride of Christ. We're also the lamp that carries the oil. So we are that lamp. So when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take extra oil with them, but the prudent ones took oil in the flasks with their lamps. 
And while the groom was delaying, they all became drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there finally was a shout before the groom come. Behold, the groom come out to meet him. He's coming back. He's come. Everybody was scurrying about the groom is coming for his brides. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish virgins said to the prudent ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. There's no oil in my lamp. I'm trying to light it up, but it won't light up because there's no oil in my lamp. However, the prudent ones answered, no, there must most certainly would not be enough for us and for you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the groom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and then the door was shut. Yet later, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. I do not know you. The oil and the lamp is connected to knowing him, having a relationship with him. But be on the alert, Jesus went on to say, then because you do not know the day nor the hour of his return. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah, I'll just look at this other, this other stories about the ten ta- the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent. This always shocks me because of the, the, ex- the excessive value that Jesus talked about here. Five talents. He gave five talents to some, two talents to some, and one talent to others. Five talents, it's, it was a weight measure, measure of silver. That in today's value, the five talents would be $3,750,000. Two talents would be $1,500,000, and one talent, $750,000. The point of that last story is he left valuable talent, treasure, and resources to all of his sons and daughters. All of us. One talent, two talents, and five talents. So he describes the day when he returns. And this is the famous story when he came back and the, five, the guy with the five talents went in and, and, and said, Lord, here's 10 talents. I gained five more with these. Five, I doubled your, your, your investments. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Same thing with the two talents. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The one with the one talent said, Lord, I knew you were, t- you were a tough bargain or you're a tough boss. So I just went and buried that talent out there in the, in the dirt. Now I've, I've got, I dug it back up. Here's your money back. And he said, well, you wicked slave, depart into outer darkness. It's pretty tough. So, you know, the point of this story is all of these stories point back to the same thing. Do you know him? Because if you know him, you'll value him. If you know him, you'll be looking for his coming. If you know him, you'll be ready for his coming. Do you, do you, do you know Jesus? Oh, do you know Jesus? Well, well, I prayed the prayer. I'm not talking about did you pray the prayer. Do you know Jesus? You know, it's like a relationship with a human. Yeah, well, I, well, I met this person. You know, I, I met my person that's going to be my wife, but I just met her. I just met her. I don't, really, I don't really know this person yet. Well, do you know Jesus? She might have just been introduced. The Holy Spirit 
is going to come upon you again and again. The word of God is going to enlighten you again and again. And you're going to begin to know him and walk with him and, and live with him. And let your heart be prepared for his coming. Oh, we live. We live in incredible times. And we live in dangerous times. There's the greatest opportunity right now to touch our world with the gospel. There's the greatest there's the great opportunities for, for business people to advance their businesses like, like never before. There's opportunity. There's opportunity to be a blessing and for your family to be blessed and be a blessing to, to the work of God. There's opportunities for gospel ministry like never before. There, it's, it's, a, it's a brand new world. And you, you, if you, if you have, if you have Christ in you, Christ in you and the Holy Ghost anointing you, you have such an advantage, such a huge advantage. It's not, it's not a fair fight. It's not even close to a fair fight. It's like the heavyweight champion of the world fighting a welterweight in a boxing ring. It's not a fair fight. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thank you, Lord. Let's, let's stand together and pray together tonight. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.